the night of October 28, 2016. From the banks of the Huron River, miles upstream from the street lights of the big city, in the quiet and quaint village of Pinckney, this is the Ipsy Arborcast. Ooh, that's pretty spooky there, Bob. Hello and welcome, Ipsy Arbor Reels, to our very first spooky Halloween special. I'm, I'm your host, Bob, and with me, as always, is a man with less fear than a terracotta warrior, my co-host, Ingram. Those are them play dudes, right? There's like a thousand of them? I like those guys. Also joining us today is Ipsy Arbor's very own Hamburglar and resident horror film critic, Graham, the G-Train Dishman. You guys really like the stupid nicknames, huh? What's a peacock have without his beautiful plumage? We are uh, casting today from the tiny rural community of Pinckney, which also happens to be where I grew up. It's just starting to get dark here as we're rolling into town. Why did we come all the way out here? There's a uh, there's a creepy cemetery out north of town that's known to locals here to be haunted. I thought we'd uh, I thought it'd be spooky to go and check it out. Is it really spooky? Yeah. How spooky is it? Like a seven. If you get creeped out by being in cemeteries in the dark, it's pretty spooky. Do you think it's spooky? I mean, not terribly spooky. But I grew up around here, you know? So it's, it's harder to spook me. Why is that? Because you grew up in such a spooky little town filled with all these spooky little creeps? No, it's more about my level of familiarity with the area and its terrain and such. Yeah, that's Ranger Bob for you. He always knows the layout of the land. So how far is the cemetery? Well, not too far. But first I thought we could drive down some dark back roads and tell spooky stories to help get the vibe right for our listeners, to help set the mood. You're putting me on the spot here, Bob. I'm not sure I've got any of these spooky stories ready to go. Well, how about I go first and tell the story of the cemetery we're going to be visiting here in a bit? You may proceed. All right, so, Ingram, Graham, I'm sure you're both aware of uh, John Allen, founder of Ann Arbor, and his wife, Anne, for whom he named the town. Yeah. John yep, Allen, oh yeah, everyone knows yeah, that guy. Everybody knows it. Cool. So you're probably also aware that they raised three sons who lived with them at their home in Ann Arbor. Obviously. Everyone uh, raises three sons, Bob. Okay, but did you also know that John and Anne had a daughter named Agnes? What? Oh, uh, what, for serious? I don't believe that. That's so weird because her name was that Agnes. There's no way that that's the case. So I, daughter, Agnes. Yeah. Agnes was born in Ann Arbor in the winter of 1838, but she was born hideously deformed. Uh, she had a growth across her face that obscured her features and left her eyes bulging and lifeless. And after her birth, her father uh, was, like, just totally disgusted by her, and he hid Agnes away from even, like, his closest friends. Uh, it's a sad fact. You know, back then, most babies born that deformed, like, never made it out of infancy. And, and John must have figured that she'd be the same, uh, dying before her second birthday. But he was wrong. Oh. Wrong about what? I mean, uh... why does this guy want his kid to be dead? What's the deal? Go, go on. Agnes never died. She kept growing. And as she got older, she became harder to keep locked up out of sight of the townspeople. And at this point, John Allen was mayor of Ann Arbor. And he started to see Agnes as, like, a political liability. So when Agnes was about 10 years old, John wrote to a cousin of his that he trusted very much, I guess. And he told his cousin that he wanted Agnes to go off and live with him. You know? And he would pay his cousin, uh, Schaefer, Steve Schaefer. The guy's name was Schaefer. And John told Schaefer he'd be paid handsomely for accepting the burden. Where was he, the, the cousin? He had an 80-acre farm and 100 acres of forest land in Putnam Township, a few miles north of what was then the newly formed village of Pinkney. So this cousin took in the little girl or what? He did. Schaefer took her in. And for a time, he raised Agnes as his own daughter. But John objected to that just, like, so fucking hard. Oh, I think John Schaefer's well, doing mean, a fine thing. What's the what's deal? The, what's the problem? John still saw Agnes as a liability, right? So 
he told Schaefer that if he wanted to keep the money flowing, he was going to have to keep Agnes hidden. Ah, the fuckhead. Being a dickbag. Oh, wait, we hate Schaefer now? What That's the crazy part. You know, Schaefer, to his credit, seems to have actually liked her. No one else liked her. Uh, his wife, Emily, kept a diary, which is the whole reason we know she existed. And uh, Emily talks about Agnes a lot. She goes into a lot of detail. But she doesn't have anything nice to say. What, the baby too gross looking for her? What's the deal? Well, she thought Agnes was a monster, inside and out. She wrote that Agnes was afflicted with a phantasmagorical melancholy and a malicious violence that was only worsened by her bulging eyes and dog bark-like laughter. She did say that Agnes was uh, very, very smart, but not in a good way, in a way that made Emily very afraid to be in the same room as the girl. She often wrote about Agnes's laugh, saying that that crazy laugh would go on to haunt her every dream for the rest of her life. She was pumped to get Agnes out of the house. I feel bad for this kid. I bet she was probably pretty good looking. She was a creepy kid. But Schaefer didn't want his money to stop flowing, so when Agnes was 11 years old, he built a cabin deep in his forest for her to live in. Well, in which to imprison her. It was 12 feet square with no windows and a door that locked from the outside. So she was just locked up all the time? Well, that was the idea, yeah. But as soon as Agnes was out of Schaefer's house, reports started coming in from all over the area of animals being killed in the night. Farm animals at first, cats, dogs, chickens, goats. Uh, farmers would go out in the morning and find them with their necks snapped, uh, arranged in ways so as to appear totally normal, as if they had just been sleeping. One, one, one farmer didn't even notice his cat was dead until maggots started emerging from its ears days oh, later. Oh, man, that's... Yeah, that, that's uh, a farmer that doesn't even like his cat. Eventually, people started finding mutilated animal bodies, like in the forest. Uh, squirrels, rabbits, bird, they'd be, uh, they'd be staked into the ground and then vivisected, but they'd be, like, ripped open without cutting tools. So this little Agnes, she was like a bun serial killer or something, huh? Well, Agnes, throughout all of this, was only 11 or 12 and locked in a cabin with no windows, right? The only time she could have escaped was when Schaefer would come by to bring food every evening. According to Emily's diary, Agnes never even spoke another word after she was in the cabin. As far as Emily knows, though, right? Like, she didn't go out to the cabin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Schaefer definitely had a soft spot for Agnes, and it's not unreasonable to think that he let her roam around in the white night or whatever. So what, she still wandered around the countryside to this day? No, worse. Uh, eventually, these tales of animal brutality made their way back to John Allen, and he knew whether or not he was right. He knew that Agnes was responsible for all of it, and uh, he was still very much a politician. He had a lot left to lose. So did he hatch a plan? And was it most sinister? Indeed twas. John Allen went and bought the fastest horse from the best stable in Ann Arbor and secretly rode in the night to Schaefer's farm, demanding to see Agnes. Oh, Schaefer shit. didn't want to give her up, and he, he didn't tell John where her cabin was, and this led to an argument which led to fisticuffs, and eventually after John viciously beat Schaefer into unconsciousness, Emily told John where to find Agnes, and the two of them set off on foot with torches. Uh, to the cabin to get the girl. Why's the wife coming by? To bear witness, I guess. Bear witness to what? Well, when they got to the cabin and opened the door, they found Agnes, dressed in a brand new white gown, sitting calmly on the floor. John beckoned to her and asked her to follow him, and she did so, obediently and silently. The three of them walked with an eerie silence for a time until they came to the edge of Schaefer's land in a small clearing where a local family named Gilkes kept a burial plot for their loved ones. Earlier, before going to his cousin's house, John had stopped at this plot and dug a small child-sized grave with the intention of burying Agnes's body in it. So after walking her to the grave he had dug for her, John Allen pulled out a silver-bladed dagger 
and plunged it deep into Agnes's heart. Oof. But that's when it gets weird. Agnes looks at the blade in her chest, and she doesn't scream or yell or cry out at all. She starts laughing. A horrible, loud, shrill, bark-like laugh that pierces the night. And while she's laughing, she grabs the dagger's handle and pulls it from her chest, leaving behind a gaping wound that's just burning blood, staining her gown red. And she laughs, and she stabs the blade back into her chest while she laughs some more. Such a wretched laugh. It fills John and Emily's minds with agony as Agnes pulls the knife back out, and this time she thrusts it into her neck. And she laughs even harder, blood gushing from her mouth, and she pulls the knife out again, her Saturnine eyes staring straight into John's soul. And Agnes thrusts the dagger upward, under her chin, and through her tongue, and into the roof of her mouth, clean through, until the dagger emerges from atop her skull, bloodied and streaked with brains. The dagger's hilt pins her mouth shut, but her laugh is even louder somehow, so loud that the night sky shakes. John manages to force his daughter into her grave, but it doesn't stop or impede the horrible laugh. He scoops dirt onto her, frantically trying to drown out the ear-splitting din, but Agnes only grows louder with every shovel load. John throws more and more dirt onto Agnes, trying to bury his daughter alive for his life as the maniacal cacophony of Agnes's laughter grows far louder and far less earthbound. A demonic hymnal from the Forsaken Angel's broken consort of the damned. That's when Emily passed out. When she came to the next day, she was back at home surrounded by her family, with no trace of John or Agnes ever having visited. Uh, the ground at the burial plot was totally undisturbed, and in the spot where Agnes's cabin had been, there stood a small host of trees, roughly 10 years old. According to Emily's diary, no one, not even Emily, had any memory of Agnes ever existing, though later e Emily would often have nightmares of bulging, bloodshot eyes and a hellish laugh. The dreams would eventually develop into a severe mental illness, leading historians to discredit her diary as a reliable primary source. But folks in Pinkney will tell you, you head out to the Gilka Cemetery on the corner of Cedar Lake and Schaefer Road on a dark autumn night like tonight, and you just might hear little Agnes Allen laughing horribly to herself from the grave her father buried her in alive. Oh, that was bitchin'. Hey, good stuff, Bob. What about you, Ingram? You think of a good spooky story? Oh, yeah, I was supposed to be thinking of a story. Um, you know what? Uh, skip it, skip it. Next one. I got one. Oh, yeah? And it also happened in Pinckney. Oh, yeah, Pinckney. Spooky place. It's all right. It's called The Tale of the Spooky Laundry Room. Bob's didn't have a title. Why didn't yours have a title, Bob? It was The Tale of Little Agnes Allen. Yeah, but you didn't announce the title like Dishman did. No, I suppose I didn't. When my oldest brother was born, my parents lived in a small house somewhere in Pinckney. And in that house, the laundry room was right across from the kitchen table. My brother would often be seen waving and staring and giggling while looking into the laundry room. This continued for a long time, and when he could finally talk, my parents asked him who he was talking to. He looked at them and said, The little girl. My parents asked him if she was nice, and my brother waited a moment and then replied, Yes. After this, he seemed to grow out of it and forget all about it. My parents dismissed it as an imaginary friend. They never mentioned it after that. When my other brother Nicholas was born, he did the same thing. 
giggling and waving at the laundry room when he learned to talk my parents asked who he was talking to and he said the little girl they once again asked if she was nice and Nicholas said the same thing as Benjamin although a little different yes he said but I think she's lying hot damn this drive's getting pretty spooky out here meh you don't think this road is spooky? Like I said, man, this is my hometown. I, I know this road, like, pretty well. I used to date a girl. She lived on this road. You do have a weird taste for creepy women, though, Bob. Yeah, I mean, your current girlfriend's pretty weird. I like her, but she's pretty weird, man. You got a story, Ingram? Oh, I think I might have one. I'm gonna call it The Tale of the McDonald's in Pinckney. It's one of them another Pinckney stores. It's a spooky place. One time, I don't know, I was younger, you know, my brother and me, we were, I don't know, coming back from something that was out somewhere. I see. You know, those dope, those parts are important. Anyway, we're coming back to Ann Arbor, going through Pinckney, and we decided to stop at this McDonald's, get some burgers, some fries, what have you. So we go to the menu, place the order, yada yada, drive to the pay window. My brother goes there to pay, pays the girl working there. Y'all follow me on this? Yes. Yeah. Just, I want to get the timing right, hold on. We pay the girl. And I noticed she has two different color eyes. That's heterochromia, you guys. We drive up to the next window, like, not even two seconds later, and it's the same girl handing us the food. The exact same girl, same hair, the same face, and the same different eyes. That's pretty crazy, man. I mean, she must have, like, teleported or something. They were twins, dude. Nah, not a chance, Bob. No, like, I know those girls. I mean, I forget their names, but, y yeah, they were, they were, uh, they were, they were... There was a set of identical twin girls a few years younger than me, and they worked at the McDonald's in town. And they were, like, identical. They both had the same uh, David Bowie eyes. Oh, well, huh. All right, well, thank you, Bob. Yeah, way to hamburgle his story into pieces. Wait a minute, you can't use that word. Yeah, it's not a verb. No, I mean, that's our word. Oh. Fuck that. I'm taking it back. So you are the Hamburglar. Look, just because you guys address me as the Hamburglar does not make me the Hamburglar, and just because I recognize that as a fact does not, uh, you're the Hamburglar. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ingram, beep us out of here. We're going to double check the map, and we'll be back after a short little bit here. Double check a map? Yeah, I thought you knew this road, like, pretty well. Are we lost? Hey, it's just a double check. We're good. Just beep us out of here. Jesus. Yeah, sure, Bob. Beep boop. Hey, we're back, everybody. And we have just turned on to Cedar Lake Road, and we are on our way to the Gilkas Cemetery. We're gonna go check out this ghost. You spooked yet? Nah. Not even a little. Shrug. Did you just say shrug instead of actually shrugging? Well, yeah, it's an audio format we're working with here, Graham, so we need to paint pictures with our words and our verbiage so that our listeners- Whoa, whoa, whoa! What the fuck is that? What was that shit? What? No, 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 there was something in the road! Really? Yes! Well, what was it? What was that shit? You didn't see it? Why would you stop? Everybody's fucking yelling. Stopping felt right. No, I mean like, go. Let's go. Let's do it now. Well, come on. Let's investigate a little. What was it even? I don't know. Some hunchy, creepy, stalkery, loping, vaguely humanoid form? Crossed in front of us and ran off in those bushes over there. Those bushes? On the left here? Yeah. Well, let's see if it comes out. For those of you just joining us, we're staring at a patch of bushes off to our left about 25 feet from our car. Listen along with us, will you? I want to speak to you fellas! Dude, just drive! Whoa! Dude, drive, you need drive. To drive! Go, go, go! Drive right now! Uh. 
it's no use. What? Why? Why? Drive the fuck out of here. Listen, it's useless, dudes. We're stuck here. Get over it. What about that thing? Let's see what he wants. Dude, fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck that. I think we should just hear the creepy dude out. What the fuck, Bob? Uh, hey there. You out witnessing tonight? Indeed I am. Have you heard the good news? Oh, God. It's so much worse than I thought. What? I thought you were just going to kill us. Ha! <laughs> Far from it, brothers. What I offer is eternal life. Take some pamphlets. Oh, he's got pamphlets. You see this, Graham? Pamphlets. Shut up, Bob. Have a pamphlet. Here. Let's hit the dome light. Wow, okay. So I guess I assumed you were from, like, a more Jesus-based religion? But this says you're from the Gardeners of Ecstatic Delights. <laughs> That's right. Now, going from the name, I would probably guess this is more of a cult-type situation we got going. Uh, would you say that's accurate? Um, yeah. So I'm just uh, reading through your literature here. Let me ask you something. Shoot. So when we get to the Garden of Ecstatic Delights, uh, what's the dress code like? Dress code? Yeah, like, uh, is the garden a formal kind of thing, or will jeans be all right? Jeans will be fine. Yeah, all right, sold. Really? Sure. Yeah, why don't you sign me up too, man? You want to you, you get in on this, Graham? No, not even a little. Hey, fair enough. So, uh, we'll see you... Uh, Saturday? Good for you guys? Like around 10 p.m.? Uh, yeah. Hey, why not? All right, see you then. Hopefully I'll see you again, Graham. Have a good night! I thought we were stuck, man. What? I thought the fucking car was useless. Oh, yeah, uh, now it's not. Thank ecstasy, am I right? Nice try there, Bob, but I see through your ruse. Oh, you do? Did you know there'd be creepy cultists out recruiting? I, yeah, I did. Their compound is right up the hill from here, and they're exclusively nocturnal. Uh, they're out here most nights, if it's not too cold. Man, you want wily guy, Bob. I'll hand you that. Yeah, you're really fucking something. Am I, like, fucking something, or am I, like, fucking something? Neat. Man, it was real creepy how that cult dude said Graham's name at the end there. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I really, really did not like that, like, at all. The, the name part? The whole fucking thing. How much fucking further until a stupid fucking cemetery? Fuck this backward, hick-ass farmer town full of creeps. Hey, now, not everyone is a farmer here. But they're mostly farmers, right? Mostly commuters at this point, really. Commuters, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy to think about the uh, population explosion this town has seen. When I was a kid, you could walk from my house all the way into town through fields and forests and swamps, but what now is... it's just a bunch oh, of... Oh, fuck you, Bob. Huh? In the road up ahead. There's another little trap for us, I see. Fuck you. Oh yeah, there's a guy. Huh, I... I don't know what this is. No, seriously, this is... Well, is he wearing overalls? Seems to be. I thought there weren't any farmers left, Bob. What with all the commuters? Well, there's still some farmers. Oh, he's flagging us down. Fuck that. No, we better stop. Fuck that. Fuck that. He might need help. He might be a murder rapist. <laughs> I know you two are city folk and think that the country is just filled with danger, but this isn't a fucking Stephen King novel, okay? Oh, really? We're stopping for real? You probably just need some help. You need some help. Well, if I did, I'd want someone to stop for me. It turns out you staged the shit. We're not friends anymore, okay? And don't tell this guy my name, okay? For any reason. I understand. Howdy there. Howdy. Oh, howdy. Man, you two are adorable. You boys better turn that car around. There's danger up ahead. What? Why? You boys ain't seen the news? There's a murderer on the loose. 
I seen him this afternoon, trying to throw him a field up the road here. Escaped from Camp Brighton earlier this morning. Camp Brighton? Yeah, there's a small prison tucked back in the woods a few miles from here. What kind of prison? The maximum security kind. See, instead of Michigan reckons it's cruel and unusual to put murderers to death. Can't say as I agree, but that's how it is. So instead of death row and a pine box, we sent our most violent sorts up to Camp Brighton. There's a rotten place, I tell you. Stinks of evil and hate there. So someone escaped, huh? Yup. His name's Connor. Ryan Connor. What? They can't lock that guy up. The Terminator's gonna get him. No, that's John Connor. No, Ryan Connor. Used to live just south of town. I remember him. You knew him? It's a small town, son. I know most everyone. So what about John Connor, hmm? What's that? Like, what's John Connor's deal? Huh? Bob translate for this guy. Huh? He means Ryan Connor. What's the story with Ryan Connor? Well, for the longest time, he was just a regular man. Loved his family, loved his dog, loved his town. Then one day, grabbed a crowbar up and killed them all. He killed the whole town? Nah, not the whole town. What led him to do that? Well, after his murder spree, and after his arrest, and after we cleaned up the blood and viscera, we had a trial, and there was a doctor there. Now that doctor testified that Connor had some sort of tumor. It had started growing up into his adrenal gland. Seems the tumor was flooding his system with adrenaline, making him angry, filling him with rage, and giving him the strength of three angry horses filled with rage. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Any one of us could become a monster in an instant. One moment, you're chatting with your new friends, and the next moment, you're facing upon human liver. Get us the fuck out of here. Yes, please. Well, I'll get out of your hair. Now, you boys have a good night, and wherever you're heading, you boys be safe, all right? Keep your heads about you. Uh, you too. Night. Peace in our time, friend. And I'll be seeing you again real soon, Graham. What? Why? Why? What the fuck? Why? Huh? Did you hear that guy? Yeah. I mean, when? At the end, as we drove off, he said he'd be seeing me really soon, and he called me by name. Huh. Are you sure? Weird. Nobody said my name, dude. Why does he know my name? I don't know. Maybe you misheard him. Man, you have been getting increasingly paranoid as the night is rolling on. Fuck that. The night has been getting increasingly fucked up. Are we still driving to the stupid cemetery? Yeah. What about the fucking murder convict? Well, I'm sure the cops are out looking for him. We'll be fine. Uh, mm, What do you mean, meh? There aren't any cops out here. What? What, Pinkney's too small for cops? What's the deal? No, Pinkney has cops, but we're not actually in Pinkney anymore. You're in Putnam Township now. The only cops out here are state troopers who are lost and, uh, Livingston County Sheriff's deputies out on boozy joyrides. But, like, if, uh, if... Fuck this, man. Let's get out of here. But we're already here. Welcome to the allegedly haunted Gilkes Cemetery on the corner of Schaefer and Cedar Lake Roads, guys. Man, it is dark out here. Yeah, cloudy night. Now, where's this cemetery? On the other side of the road here. Oh, all right. All right, so we checking it out then? Yeah, let's go. You got them flashlights? What? No. You didn't bring any flashlights? Did you bring a flashlight? No. Okay, so we both dropped the same ball, didn't we? I'm not the fucking producer. You're the producer, Bob. Yeah, Bob. Why don't you produce some flashlights? Our eyes will adjust in a few minutes. Come on, come on. It'll be fun. Yeah, all right. Are you coming? No. 
No. Okay, well, I'll just take this recorder with us, and I'll leave this other one here just for you, by yourself, okay? Fine. Okay, well, I, I guess Ingram and I are going to go off and be on a team, and you can just stay here, by yourself, in the car. By yourself, all alone. Sounds great. Does it, though? Come on, dude, you watch movies. You're a character in a horror story. You're going to choose to separate yourself from your friends? Are you trying to die first? Ah, uh, fuck. Fine. All right, there he is. Oh, Dishman's coming now. Decided not to Scooby-Doo on us, huh? That's nice. Shit. It really is dark out. Haha, <laughs> yeah. The fuck is that? Ah, I'm pissing, buddy. Now what the fuck is that? I'm just playing Malgarina, buddy. Alright, I'm done. Did I ever tell you boys the tale of this haunted keyboard? No. Man, I once had this keyboard. I swear this thing was haunted. What? Why? You know, I just had a feeling about it. Like, maybe it was haunted. It used to type the craziest stuff. One time it typed like 666 a bunch, man. It was crazy. What, on its own? Nah, I mean, my cat would be walking on it at the time, but I still think, you know, that was like, I mean, who knows? Maybe the cat was haunted. So, I mean, like, maybe it's not the best spooky story. Definitely not a classic, no. <laughs> Alright, follow me, boys. There's a gate, uh, right over here. After you, dude. Very well. I will say that is one classic spooky rusty gate sound. I like that. Oh, what was that? That was the gate. You were just talking about it. No, not the gate after that. It sounded like... Like what? Never mind. <sighs> How much exploring do we have to do? Uh, no set amount, really. You're really spooked, huh? Fuck you. What? Oh, double fuck you. This whole Halloween special was just to make me look like a fucking pansy. So fine, play the boombox full of spooky boom noises box. designed to fuck I, with me. I, Go ahead. Hey, I, I just wanted to make a fun and spooky Halloween podcast for all eight of our listeners. I didn't have any specific plans about how you'd react to any of it. Except for the cult guy. That one's on me. It's all on you. All of it, dude. You brought us out here, you planned your little hoboken fuckery, and I'm fucking sick of oh, it, come man. come on, dude. Lighten up. It's all for fun. Ghosts aren't real. Everything's fine. We're three dudes standing on a fucking lawn. <laughs> but what about John Connor, that escaped murderer? <laughs> yeah, that does really suck for us. That's really weird timing with our recording schedule. But hey, I'm sure we get out all right in the end. What do you mean? I mean, our listeners know that we end up okay. Like, we all get out of the woods alive tonight. Otherwise, how would they be listening to an edited version of these events right now? We don't know that. We're just in a cemetery. Nobody is listening to this shit right now, Bob. We don't know anything like that. No, but we our are... listeners do, you know? The, uh, anyone listening to this, after the fact, could reasonably conclude that we don't get murdered based solely on the fact that there's a thing for them to be listening to. That only means you make it out, Bob, you dick. It doesn't say anything about me and Ingram. In what way? Bob, you're the producer. Like, you're the one that gets to edit and publish the show. Yeah, Bob. The listeners only know for sure that you make it out alive. That at least I make it out. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Good point. So I guess there really is something huge at stake here, because you boys might die at any point. 
I thought we were just three dudes standing on a lawn. Yeah, so so did I. Hmm. Well, I can't wait to see what happens. Ooh, I can't wait to hear what happens. <laughs> I will call that gate sound slurs into creepy laughter. So you hear it too? My ears aren't paranoid? Well, not about this at least. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did hear that. Well, that one sounded more like a crowbar being scraped across a tombstone kind of sound. Say, didn't that farmer mention that John Connor murdered everyone with a crowbar? Oh, shit. Did he? Let's, uh, let's start he heading back to the car. Oh, now we head back. Now that Bob's afraid. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Who's afraid of the big scary long now, Bob? Who wants to get back in the car Crap! and find you? Ah! Crap! What the crap? Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Get in, get in, get in, get in, get in! Get in. Sam's still out there. Get the fuck in the car! So we're ditching Graham? Shut up, Ingram. Ah, so we are Shut ditching Graham. Shut up! You're just joining us. We are running for our fucking lives. Uh, stay tuned, Ipsy Arbor Reels. Ingram! Ah, what? Do the fucking beeps! Ah, beep, 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 beep! here at the uh, at the Shell station at the corner of uh, Schaefer Road and D19. Ingram's inside getting some smokes. Graham's still uh I thought we could start off here discussing what it really means to ditch someone. Uh, and what sort of role does fear play within that definition, you know? Uh, can one truly ditch another? When one is afraid for one's life? Crowbar to the head, though. Pretty fast way to go, right? Could be worse. Hey, good news. That Bob won't get one Marlboros. Hmm. Yeah, and even some flashlights. Oh, yeah, and I got a text from Graham. Oh, thank God. What did it say? It said, fuck you guys. Oh, thank God he's fine. I don't know. Maybe that text was a death rail, you know? Final bloody cry out to the producer that let him down in the end? <sighs> yeah, you're probably right. He's done for. Let's just go back home. Well, I mean, we don't know he's done for. <sighs> as far as I could tell, he was attacked by an escaped murderer with a crowbar. And also by a ghost of a de little demon girl that, that might have a dagger. What, you saw a ghost? I saw... I don't know what I fucking saw, dude. Isn't that that farmer from earlier? Yeah, so it is. I think he's coming over here. Aw, oh, why? To talk to us? Alright, but for the record, I think he's the real villain in this whole piece. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Howdy, boys! Hi. Couldn't help but notice your car seems to be a little lighter than before. And you boys seem to have lost your friend. Graham was his name? Yeah, you see what I mean? He's... around. No. He's not. I tried to tell you, but you didn't listen, did you? Now your little friend is done for. Hey, it's Graham. He says, come scoop me. Ha! See? He's not dead. I didn't say he was dead. Only that he's gonna be. Before the night is through. Oh, now he says, and grab some smokes. I'll hit you back. Nope. 
Not even a pack of Marlboros can save him now. So you'll ditch Graham in a cemetery with what you suspect was an escape murderer and a demon ghost, but you won't ditch this super creepy farmer guy villain? I didn't ditch- Remember what we said to Graham earlier about being on a team, Bob? Do you remember, remember, remember? Okay, you're right. You boys have a wonderful night now. He's the guy, right? This farmer? He's behind all of the mayhem and horror that's going on? Yeah, I'd say so. Let's scoop Graham and get the fuck out of this creepy town. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. So where is he at? Well, I don't know. Let's text him. Text Fucking call him. Jesus, we're in a hurry, damn it. All right, we'll call I'm calling him. I'm calling. Went to voicemail. I'll, I'm going to text him. All right, that's sent. Oh, he says he's back at the cemetery. Word, we'll be there in like 26 seconds. What do you think, Bob? Who will fight? The Terminator or a bunch of ghosts? I don't think one ghost could ever take the Terminator, so like how many ghosts would take on the Terminator? Here we are, where's he at? Graham? Graham! Hey yo dish! Graham! Yo yo! Graham! Over here, boys! Hey, buddy! Where is? <laughs> good? Hey. We came to scoop you! Who the fuck are these two? Ah, this is Agnes and Ryan. Agnes, Ryan, this is Bob and Ingram from before. We've just been posting up here, man, chilling, smoking. What the hell are you talking about? Didn't they attack you earlier? My god, is that what you think? I'm so sorry. We really did spook you guys. No, we didn't attack him. We just came over to say hi. See what's up. Well, what the two are you doing in the cemetery? We have a band, Agnes and I. We're post-indie hyper-retro. We like to rehearse out here. What? Rehearse. It's like practicing. I get that part. It's... You're Ryan Connor, right? The escaped murderer from Camp Brighton. <laughs> That's me. And you're the ghost of Agnes Allen, who was buried alive in this cemetery almost 200 years ago? Yep. Well, if you believe the diary of a crazy lady, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is so fucked up. Yeah, like, you two put that band together real fast. Yeah, well, when the inspiration strikes, what else are you going to do? They're really good, too. Hey, thanks. Bob, Ingram, would you like to hear our new song? Yeah, let's play it for him. <laughs> And a two. And no, no, and no, no, two. no, no, no music. Yeah, Ingram doesn't like musical numbers. No, I do not. Any musical numbers? Like, at all? Exactly. I don't really get it either. Huh. Well, never mind then. So you boys trying to bounce? Yes, please. Yeah, let's dip before that creepy farmer from earlier finds us. Wait, is the farmer from earlier looking for us? Pretty sure, yeah. Although, fuck it, let's leave. Nice meeting you folks. Keep in touch, won't you? I, I got your number. I'll, I'll hit you up. Bye, friends. Yeah, take it easy. Peace and our time, fellas. What a nice sentiment. You guys get them smokes? Oh, yeah, here you go, buddy. Ah, uh, thank you, dude. Is there a lesson to this? I can't think of one. Yeah, no. Oh, I just thought of a good spooky story. It's, it's the best spooky story. 
Uh, we're not done. We're still doing this. I guess so. I'm gonna call it the tale of the campsite visitor. What? You guys don't think that's a good title? It's fine. I thought it was a great title. Intriguing, full of mystery, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, my sister was out camping. You know, she likes camping, going out camping. That's her one of her things. She'll go out in the woods with her dog in a backpack and not come home for a couple weeks sometimes. You know, it's crazy. Anyways, one time, a few years back, she gets her stuff together, grabs her dog, heads out to the Pinckney to do some camping. Where in Pinckney? Uh, you know, in the big wreck area. The Pinckney wreck area? Yeah, she heads out. She doesn't go camping at, like, sites. She goes, she doesn't go to campgrounds. She just pitches her tent up in some woods, man. Real, real camp. Backcountry camping. Yeah, she camps out back in the country. Anyways, she's out there for, like, more than a week. She's hiking, boating, watching birds, what have you. Having a grand old time. Out camping with a dog in the woods. But she can't camp out forever. You know, no one can camp out forever. She decides to spend just one more night. Pack up in the morning, hike back to the car, come on home. So she gets in the tent, and she goes to sleep. Okay. And then... Oh, right. So she's sleeping. Sleeping deep and sound. But then she gets woke up in the middle of the night, because the dog is all whining to leave the tent. So whatever, she lets the dog out, probably go to the bathroom, what have you. Goes right back to sleep. She wakes back up. Dog's barking at something. Dog barks at lots of stuff, so she just tells it to be quiet. The dog keeps barking. She calls it to come back to the tent. But the dog just keeps barking louder and louder. It's real going crazy now, snarling, growling. She's tired, she's pissed, she's getting up to go get this dog, and she pulls back the tent flap, and 15 yards from her tent is the silhouette of a man in the darkness. She flips right the fuck out, grabs her dog, grabs him into the tent, zips it up, grabs this big old bowie knife, gets all ready to just slash that fool if he tries him something. She's listening real hard for footsteps, twig snaps, anything. But it's silent. Eventually, she calms down and falls back asleep. What? How? I don't know, but this isn't even the crazy part. Next morning, she and her dog wake up. But when they leave the tent, there's no trace of anyone having been there. And the dog is acting like nothing happened at all. So she realizes it was just a dream. Yeah, she shrugs it all off, packs up, hikes out, comes back home. That's the story? Yeah, that was the story. Until a few weeks later, when she's leaving to go on her trip to Philly... She wants to take lots of pictures at Liberty Hall and cheese steaks or whatever, you know, Philly stuff. She goes out to pull all the photos off of her camera, including the photos from her Pinkney camping trip. That's when she notices some photos she didn't remember taking. At the very end, after all the boat and the birds and the dogs and all that stuff, there's a series of photos of her and her dog sleeping in their tent. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you serious? That's so fucked up. Yeah, there was like a dozen different shots of the two of them, cuddled together in the tent, all comfy-like. Different angles, you know, different poses. Man, fuck this town. Did she call the cops? Well, yeah, she did. You know, she filed a report. Didn't really go anywhere. Apparently it happens all the time. I don't know. Or as Bob would say, shrug. I wouldn't shrug that. That's, like, really heavy. That's serious. Oh, she's doing fine. Now she's like a right-hand lady to the president of, you know, the United States of America Humane Society or something. Saying it that way is a really weird choice. Yeah, is that on purpose? Now, what do you mean? Oh, wait, turn in here. Where? McDonald's? Yeah, maybe them spooky twins are working tonight. Yeah, six cheeseburgers, three small fries, please. Hey, what do you guys want? 
Yeah, can I get a hot fudge sundae and a small orange juice? Yeah, can I get a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, please? Was that? So this big sign I'm I'm looking at here that says breakfast now served all day is is not the case. Whatever, I don't care. Give me a small coffee and make it hot enough to burn your flesh. No, 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 hot enough to burn your flesh. Man, what has Pingdy done to you, man? Yeah, G Train, what has it done? I'm not sure. No. Oh man, I'm excited. This is my favorite part yet. Here you go. Yo, is that her? Eh, no. So much for that idea. I guess McDonald's just isn't as spooky as you thought. Hello, boys! Ah, oh, Jesus! What the hell is wrong with your tray? First, you ignore my helpful warnings. Then you drive away right in the middle of having a conversation. Now you scream in my face while I'm at work. I don't want you to kill me. Yeah, yeah, yeah don't no. kill him. Kill Graham? Why do I want to kill Graham? How the fuck do you know my name? What the fuck? How do I know your name? Why, you're wearing a name tag, son. What? No, I'm not. Oh, man, you are. Oh, Look. Dude, you are wearing a name tag. Yeah. Says, hello, my name's Graham. I figured your name must be Graham. Wow. How did I forget about that? I hate name tags. Well, anyways, here's your food. You boys try not to eat it all in one place. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's all because of my name tag, guys. And he almost got away with it, too, if it not for that meddling farmer. That's a pretty strange twist at the end there with the name tag and everything. Very strange. Definitely wouldn't have made any sense if the story had been displayed through a visual medium. Yeah, nah. I guess not everyone wearing overalls is a farmer after all. Is that the lesson? FC Arbor Halloween 2016 is a work of fiction. The names of real people and places are used fictionally, and no part of this recorded work or any of the events described should be considered as actually having happened. I'm Bob Fike. I played myself. My name is Ingram Anders Felt. I'm playing myself in a Halloween special for the FC Arbor cast. <laughs> My name is Graham Dishman, and I played Graham Dishman, the fictionalized version. Um, my name is Joe Kupietz, and I played the cultist, the farmer, Ryan Connor, and the Spickerbox. I am Amanda Lawrence, and I played Agnes Allen. This production has been written, produced, directed, engineered, and edited by Bob Fike. This very special Halloween episode of the Ipsy Arbor cast created by Bob Fike is presented by Ipsy Arbor Studios. We are Ipsy-based creative types specializing in local ideas for local folks. You can try to email us try at... Try that email to oh. us. <laughs> that you would. You fucking would. That's the email address, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. All right, all right. <clears throat> you can try us at gmail.com or call at 734-769-7448. Leave that right there, right on the, right on the lovely tray. It's 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 more of a tray, isn't it? Music stand is just is derogatory. Stands, yes, because it has three legs. Music, of course. What would you put on it? But look at this wonderful tray that you have. Do as as you will.